Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and tonight we are back with another great show for you as we will be looking at AEW's Full Gear pay-per-view. In its entirety, I will give you a review of the show and what I thought of all 10 matches. And then we will go ahead and look at the Survivor Series card for the matches that will happen this Saturday night for the WWE's 2022 edition of the Survivor Series featuring, for the first time ever, War Games. Now, before we get into all that, I want to give you guys just a quick brief announcement. I've been having trying to have some <coughs> guests here on the show. Uh, friends of mine, childhood friends, by the names of uh, Wallace Mitchell, Angelo Zero, Jimmy Wayne Mitchell, and Sonny Zero. Uh, All relatives, obviously, first cousins, second cousins, like brothers to me. And the reason that I've been trying to bring them on this show is because we are in the midst of developing another podcast. And that podcast is going to be known as the Top 5. What will we be talking about on that podcast, you might ask? Well, a little bit of everything. Movies, sports, TV shows, uh, food, uh, such as food reviews, pizzerias, diners, uh, elegant restaurants, you name it, uh, clothes, jewelry, shopping. We will be looking at everything, but it won't just be from the modern era here in 2022. No, we will be going back to the 80s, 90s, and 2000s as well, because that's our era. It's when we were born. So. That podcast will be debuting next week, of course, after Thanksgiving, and the holidays have slowed down a little bit, we're leading into Christmas, and we are going to lock down a day to finally record it. I want to thank Nate Maxson and WrestleNet Radio for giving us this opportunity to go ahead and do this podcast and bring it to you, the fans, so that you can check it out and let us know what you think. So, of course, like I said, I expected to have all these gentlemen on the podcast with me here tonight to talk about AEW Full Gear and then talk about Survivor Series. And then we were going to record the entire podcast for the Top 5 Episode 1 here tonight as well. But holiday got in the way. Other things got in the way. But I promise you within this next week or so, we are going to lock down an episode and we will be bringing it to you, the fans. So, with that being said, I want you guys to go ahead, pop open your frosty beverage. I've already got mine ready to go. <sighs> Strap in, buckle up, and get ready as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And we get into our first big thing on the show, and it is the full gear show review. And Full Gear is coming to you live from Newark, New Jersey this year. And it was a spectacle, ladies and gentlemen. There were 10 matches on the main card and then a couple more on the uh, buy-in portion of the uh, early part of the pay-per-view at 7 p.m. We're going to be just talking about the main card here tonight. And we're starting off with our opening match, which is Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy. This was a classic David and Goliath match. Luchasaurus held control for a majority of the fight, but Jungle Boy took his punishment and fought back. The tombstone face buster combo by Luchasaurus was incredible, and the splash from Jungle Boy 
from the top of the cage down to Luchasaurus on the uh, table was unbelievable. Uh, Jungle Boy got the win in 20 minutes. Definitely a great opening match. Then we went to the trios title match, and it was Death Triangle taking on the Elite, the returning Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And Death Triangle has an incredible uh, entrance as always, but the Carry On My Wayward Son entrance for Kenny and the Bucks, the Elite, making their return, I loved it. I thought it was a great entrance and a great entrance by both teams. was good to see the Elite back. <clears throat> the most innovative match I have ever seen. All six men involved went all out and made for an enjoyable uh, trios match as possible. Uh, the cheating win for that triangle at the 25-minute mark was the right ending. And we found out later on in the show that now Death Triangle and the Elite are entering into a best-of-seven series, and this was only match one. So we're in for a lot more between these six men, and I, for one, am here for it. TBS title match, ready to get underway. Jade Cargill defending against Nyla Rose, who stole her title uh, at, you know, uh, about a month and a half, two months ago. It's been ridiculous, uh, the storyline of Jade trying to get her belt back, but here was her opportunity. Uh, this was not good. So I'm glad they had it take place early on in the show. JR said one of the moves in the match was bowling shoe ugly. I'd say it was the whole match that was that way. No chemistry, no flow. Just a lot of bumps and falling down and slow pacing. Jade got the win in 12 minutes. Short but sweet. Not my cup of tea, ladies and gentlemen. Then we moved on to the ROH title match. A fatal four-way between Chris Jericho, Claudio, Sammy Guevara, and Brian Danielson. What an absolute great four-way for the ROH title. All four men showed up and showed out throughout the entire match. In my opinion, this made Sammy Guevara a star because he got in one hell of a lot of innovative offense. Claudio and Danielson were tremendous, and Jericho was good as always. Jericho got a slightly tainted win at the 28-minute mark. I'm okay with that because of the way that his storyline's been going. And it was just an all-around crowd-pleaser because the crowd were on their feet the entire match. And then we went to uh, the return of Saraya, formerly known as Paige, taking on Britt Baker. And they told a great story and focused on whether Saraya's neck would hold up. Baker held control. Worked over her opponent for the first 10 minutes, but then Soraya made a nice comeback and fought as hard as she could. Baker tried for the lockjaw, but Soraya countered, and we went back and forth a little more. Soraya got the win after two of those Rampage inverted DDT finishers, and Soraya gets the win at the 15-minute mark. It wasn't the greatest of matches because, obviously, Soraya has been out of the ring for five years, but I think it was still passable. And definitely better than the uh, TBS title match that we saw. TNT title match now as Wardlow defends against uh, ROH World Television Champion Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. This was an absolute battle of the horses to steal a word from JR. All three of these guys relied on their power games and went at it with brute force. Wardlow landed four big power bombs on Hobbs. But Joe snuck in, used the title, and choked out Hobbs, your winner and new TNT champion, Samoa Joe, in a 14-minute war. Definitely enjoyed this. I enjoyed seeing Joe go over. And I kind of wonder what that does for Hobbs now because, in all honesty, I think Wardlow and Joe are going to be the ones battling for both the TNT and Ring of Honor 
world television titles. So, you know, it then gets announced that uh, Tomohiro Ishii will be battling Chris Jericho for the ROH title on Dynamite next week. Yes, please. Can't wait for that one. And then we go to a tag team match as Sting and Darby Allen take on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. This was just as bad as I figured it would be. The beginning was horrible. Jarrett was barely in the ring. Sting looked tired and immediately, uh, and Darby botched the whole match. A botched Scorpion dead drop on Lethal ended the match in 10 minutes. Let's hope this storyline doesn't continue, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know Sting has been jumping from the railing and doing some crazy things, but at his age, he doesn't need to be doing it. Jeff Jarrett, as he showed here, isn't really anything of a draw. This should have been Darby Allen and Jay Lethal. It should not have had to involve Sting and Jeff Jarrett. We then go to the AEW women's title match, and it's... uh, Tony Storm taking on Jamie Hayter. The crowd was behind Jamie the entire match, as just as I expected. Tony Storm didn't put up a great outing. A lot of elbows, punches, and kicks in this match. Not a lot of wrestling. Tony got busted open and then kicked out of everything. Rebel and Britt Baker getting involved was needed, but Storm wouldn't give up. Hayter finally got a moment. Storm hit an exposed turnbuckle pad, and Hayter got the win in 16 minutes. Your winner and new... I hate saying this, interim AEW Women's Champion, Jamie Hayter. And I've been hearing reports that Tony Khan is still mulling over whether he is going to strip Thunder Rosa of the AEW Women's title and just take away the interim and make Jamie Hayter the full-time champion. But now he says it's a new title reign, so he's going to give it some time and you know continue to make his decision. I've seen Thunder Rosa all over social media, training people and out at big events and and taking awards and, you know, making appearances. And she doesn't look all that injured to me. So in my opinion, I think she's just biding her time until she wants to come back and either drop the title to somebody or unify the belts and become the, you know, full-time champion again. It just seems a a lot like a lot of wasted time. AEW tag team titles are up next and it's the acclaimed taking on Swerve in our glory. This is a good outing, but not the best of their matches together. A little slower and not as worked out as the other two tag team title matches they've had in the past. Swerve pissed off Keith Lee. Lee walked out of the match, and the acclaim got the win in 20 minutes. Still a good match, but like I said, not their best outing. I think it was mainly due because Swerve and Lee knew they were going to have to break up. So there wasn't a lot of real you know, chemistry, obviously. And it was just a big old mess. But still a good outing. And the acclaim keeping the belts, I think, is the smart move as it pertains to business here. And then finally, we get to our main event. John Moxley defending the AEW World Heavyweight title against MJF. And what a main event between these two superstars. Moxley actually began playing the heel because the fans were behind MJF throughout the match. Mox wanted to fight and took it to MJF. But whenever Max made any kind of a comeback, Mox turned it around. The tombstone spot on the apron and the pile driver to the table were awesome. Enjoyed the last three minutes as the refs got got knocked out. Regal came out and then turns on Moxley. MJF uses the brass knuckles that are handed to him by Regal. Your winner and new AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, at the 28-minute mark and a tremendous main event. Now, I know you heard me shit on some of the women's matches and a couple of the other matches that went on at uh, Full Gear, but I have to say this was a great pay-per-view. 
and I'm definitely giving it a solid 4.5 out of 5. I'm docking it 0.5 points because of the few bad matches that happened, but what did happen that was good outshined the bad, so that's why I'm giving it such a high grade. But I will make one small complaint. Not every AEW pay-per-view needs to be four hours long. I started watching this thing at 7.30. I got, you know, in at halfway into the buy-in uh, beginning part of the pay-per-view at 7.30 for the pre-show. And it ended at 12. Ten matches on a card. I understand you want to highlight everybody and you want every title to be on the line and you want everything to be big. But we didn't need this thing, Jeff Jarrett tag team match. We really didn't need the TNT title match that should have been placed on television, not on a pay-per-view, because that belt was made as a TV title. And we didn't need, honestly, uh, the Ring of Honor title match. It could have been saved for TV, too. As great as the match was, it didn't have to take place at full gear. We could have waited for that, or had it been Danielson versus Jericho, because it seems to me there are a lot of multi-man matches to get everybody on TV and get everybody a payday, but then there's still guys in the locker room who are bitching on social media that they didn't get a shot. You know, like I said, not every pay-per-view has to be a four-hour spectacle. It just, it's tiresome. After you get to like the two-and-a-half-hour mark, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, when is the main event happening? And then they show you a quick tease of the main event, and they're like, but we still got three more matches to go. And you're like, Jesus Christ. So, in my opinion, pay-per-views need to be a bit shorter, ladies and gentlemen. Whether it be WWE or AEW, not everything has to be an 8 o'clock start time and a midnight ending. Yeah, you know, we already deal with three hours of Raw, two hours of NXT, two hours of AEW on Wednesday for Dynamite, and then three hours of SmackDown and AEW Rampage on Friday nights. The only night we really get a night off is Thursday, unless you watch Impact like I do. You know what I mean? So it, it, there's already, I just mentioned, over 10 hours of wrestling on TV a week. Do we really need a four-hour pay-per-view twice a month, too? I don't think so. So with that being said, a little bit of rambling, a little bit of what grinds my gears in the middle of the show. Let's go ahead and get into our now card review of what will be going down at WWE Survivor Series. The Thanksgiving spectacle known as Survivor Series is back once again, ladies and gentlemen, this year. And this time, the War Games is being brought back with it. That's right, for the first time, War Games will be involved in Survivor Series, and I, for one, am stoked because I grew up watching the War Games. I grew up watching the Horsemen. I grew up watching the Road Warriors, Dusty and Sting, uh, you know, Nikita Koloff on one side and the Horsemen on the other. And then there was the Samoan SWAT team and the Freebirds and everybody else on one side. And it was just, it is unbelievable. And I, I love the War Games match, whether it's being done in NXT whether it's being done at MLW and or whether it's being done in AEW and being known as Blood and Guts, the War Games match is a sight to be seen with the way that the rules are structured. If you've never seen War Games before, if you're new to wrestling and you don't know how it works, 
Two teams of five enter into the war games, one from each side. There is a three-minute clock, and after three minutes, one team gets a three-minute advantage to be two-on-one. Another three minutes goes by, in come another superstar. And then three minutes after that, each team releases one superstar apiece as time goes on until all five are in the ring. Once all five are in the ring, that is when the match actually starts because you can now either make your opponent submit or beat them by pinfall and your team wins. You know, you've survived the war games. So I'm very happy that the WWE has brought this uh, structure back and are doing it on a grand scale this time. Because AEW, look, AEW does it good for blood and guts, but they never have the proper ending. NXT does a fantastic job, but they don't have a roof on the damn cage. Where with WWE, I have the strange feeling they're going to go to the T and match it for what WCW had it in the 80s and early 90s. And I think we're going to be very much so very happy. The one thing that I will say about the Survivor Series, though, is there is not a lot that we know about it yet. And guess what? As of this recording, we are four days away. <laughs> four days away from the Survivor Series, and we only know about five of the matches. And one of those matches is missing one competitor. So I don't know if on Raw or on SmackDown they're planning on putting up a couple of more you know, Survivor Series-esque matches with five-on-five or even four-on-four. I'm not quite sure. But here is the card for Survivor Series as it will go down this Saturday night, the 26th. And we will have a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins, excuse me, my bad, rewind. We will have a triple threat match for the United States Championships as Seth Rollins will defend against Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. Sorry about the flub there. United States title. I think this is the right move. You need all three of these guys because they have been detrimental in this storyline with Theory trying to cash in, Lashley being the attacker, and then going on forward with Seth needing suitable uh, challengers. I have a feeling that Seth Seth is going to steal the win here again with uh, either... Uh, Lashley taking out Theory, and then Seth getting Theory from the match, you know, getting Lashley out of the match and him pinning Theory, or maybe a vice versa in that Theory takes out Lashley, Seth sends Theory out of the ring, Seth Rollins pins Bobby Lashley and retains the title. I see no reason for Seth Rollins to lose the United States Championship. Uh, I think he makes for a great champion, and I just think that Bobby Lashley is better chasing, and they still need to be build up Austin Theory just a little bit more. Number two, Shotzi Blackheart will challenge for the SmackDown Women's title when she takes on Ronda Rousey. Now, I happen to like Shotzi Blackheart very well. I think she's great. Uh, I think that she has done tremendous things in NXT, and I think she's done great things in the Indies. But I don't foresee her beating Ronda Rousey for the women's title. Uh, If this was Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, even Bianca Belair, I'd say, yeah, we got a great match here. This is going to be Shotzi giving her exact, absolute best fight she can to Ronda, and then Ronda beating her, just like Ronda did with Liv Morgan. And what we've come to expect when Ronda Rousey is champion. It's it's like Brock Lesnar booking all over again, but on the women's side. So, do I think this is going to be a good match? 
eh, I think it'll be decent, maybe good, but I don't see it being a show stealer. Match number three, AJ Styles taking on Finn Balor. I'm a little confused here because what I would have liked is for on the AJ Styles side of things, him and the Good Brothers maybe picking up the New Day and having them go up against the Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and Damian Priest, and then picking up Imperium and it being a five-on-five Survivor Series match. Seeing the two, I guess, you know, uh, leaders of the groups, AJ Styles and Finn Balor going one-on-one, great matchup. And we've only seen them wrestle a couple of times in the past. It just seems a little weird, though, with it being Survivor Series. Why are we not going the extra mile and making this a Survivor Series matchup? But I digress. I do foresee Finn Balor winning here. Uh, because I think that the Judgment Day needs a big win, and uh, so does Finn Balor, in my opinion. You know, he could be a very serious threat to the United States or Intercontinental Championship in the future. So him beating AJ Styles makes sense. AJ does not need the win uh, more so. I, I just I, I see AJ right now being more of the guy that puts people over until he's ready for that world title run again. Match number four. And the one I talked about missing a competitor, we have Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, uh, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley taking on Bianca Belair, Alexa Blitz, Asuka, and Mia Yim, and a mystery partner. Now, there are reports saying that the mystery partner is going to be Becky Lynch. I could see that happening. Would make a little bit of sense because obviously Damage Control took out Becky. Uh, and Becky gained her respect for Bianca, so it would only make sense for her to help her. But I don't know if Becky's ready to be back yet. I'm thinking that we're going to see the returning Beth Phoenix, the Glamazon, come back and join their team on Bianca Belair's side and get her hands on Rhea Ripley. That way, we then lead to the Royal Rumble, where those two women can have a one-on-one encounter, and then Rhea beats Beth and then goes into the Royal Rumble and wins. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves not trying to excuse me, but I think it just makes more sense for it to be Beth Phoenix because she has a little more ties here to getting at Rhea Ripley, who just took her out of Clash at the Castle. Uh, and it, it just it makes more sense storyline-wise. As for the winner side of things, I think the damage control cross and ripley need to get the win. Damage control have uh flip-flopped with the world tag team titles, the women's tag team titles. Bailey has not beaten Bianca for the women's title. And lately, it's just been loss after loss. I mean, the only person really getting wins on their side of the team is Nikki Cross winning the 24-7 title and then dropping it in the trash. On the other side, Mia Yim's been on a tear. So has Asuka and Bliss, and so has Bianca Belair. So I, honest to God, feel they don't need a win here. I think Bailey should maybe be the sole survivor or her and Nikki Cross. And, you know, they then both take out Bianca, and then that could lead to either a triple threat match for the belt or Bailey and Bianca again. But you never know. And finally, the last match that we know about on this card is the War Games. Obviously, I just talked about the women's War Games match. Now the men's side of the War Games match is the bloodline. Roman Reigns, the undisputed world heavyweight champion. The Usos, Jimmy and Jay, the Undisputed World Tag Team Champions, Solo Sequoia, and Sami Zayn, the Honorary Us. And they are taking on the Brawling Brutes, 
Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens. Two fantastic teams and a storyline that has been booked perfectly, in my opinion, because the Usos took out Sheamus and broke his arm over a month ago, which gives them hate with the Brawling Brutes. Drew McIntyre got screwed over at Clash at the Castle. We all know that. So it gives him hate with Solo Sukhoi and Roman Reigns. And then Kevin Owens, dating back to the beginning of Roman Reigns' title reign, has had problems with Roman Reigns and the Usos. And, of course, we know his long history with Sami Zayn. So no matter how you slice it, this matchup was booked perfectly. Long-term storytelling, in all honesty. It was booked the right way. For who I think is going to win, I think it has to be the Brawling Brutes, McIntyre, and Kevin Owens side of things. Why? Because I think that from this matchup, we need a clear-cut title contender for Roman Reigns going into the Royal Rumble. And then you can have well over a month and a half of booking to go to the Royal Rumble uh, and, and you know really tell a story of Roman going against Sheamus, Roman going against Drew McIntyre again, or Roman going against Kevin Owens again. <coughs> I personally hope it's Sheamus because I have not seen Roman Reigns versus Sheamus in quite some time. And before it was Sheamus as the heel and Roman as the face. I think it would be work out much better for both of them this time around. And I think Sheamus deserves a world title shot after his incredible matches with Walter for the Intercontinental title. And, you know, Sheamus is a deserving challenger do i think he'll beat roman if they go heads up no because i think that we're uh, still in the age of roman reigns being the world heavyweight champion but i think it'll still make for a great matchup and i think it'll do wonders for the royal rumble so i have no problem with that but as i said i think the brawling brooks need to get a win now again i don't know if come smackdown or once i tune into monday night raw if this is going to be a different card and anything is going to be added. But I can tell you that next week on this show, I will go ahead and look at the Survivor Series. I will look at AEW Dynamite. I will look at NXT uh, as a whole and tell you guys what I thought and what I think is going to happen next and so on and so forth. And, of course, the highlight reel, quick hits, and Grinds My Gears will be back. And I want to thank you guys as usual for joining me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you guys listen to me spout off and talk about all my BS about wrestling and give you my opinion. Uh, I want to thank you guys for the continued messages and the continued questions and everything that's going on. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. I hope that you will now follow me because I'm going to still be doing the wrestling. I'm going to still be doing If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. But... I hope you will now follow me over to the top five, along with Wally, Angelo, Jimmy, Sonny, and a few guest hosts that we're going to have every now and then as well, as we go through some nostalgia and modern day, uh, you know, top fives, what we think is the best of the best. Uh, so I really hope you guys will join us then. There may even be some skits, there may be some funny jokes, you never know, or we just might be five guys sitting in a house, around a table, talking. You might want to listen and feel like you're part of the conversation. Whatever the case may be, we invite you to come and join us as we take you through our ride and tell you exactly what's going through our minds. So, I want to thank you guys again. You have a wonderful night. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. 
if it's a belated one, because this airs after Thanksgiving, then uh, happy belated Thanksgiving. God bless you guys and your families. And, uh, you know, uh, one last thing, my prayers and condolences go out to the family of Jason David Frank, the green and white ranger from Power Rangers. He passed away this past week um, and was very uh, apparently depressed and committed suicide. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to know that, especially when he's somebody from your childhood. So I wish his family the absolute best, and I give my prayers on to them and, um, you know, my positive energy, and I hope that they are okay in their time of need and during his passing. So thank you once again. Have a great night, and I will see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking.